All right, welcome everyone to uh, another installment of Lead.exe, hosted by me, Nicholas Zano, and Brian Comerford. And today with me, I have Jensen Hendricks, who is from Candor Digital Media, who specializes in strategic ops. And we brought him on here today to talk a little bit about SEO. Uh, welcome to the show, Jensen. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here, for sure. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. So if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we kind of roll into our SEO discussion, that'd be great. All right. Um, so before I got into SEO, I was a professor at Full Sail University um, where I taught front-end web development. Uh, and front-end web development is what kind of springboarded me into uh, the strategy and the actual uh, action of search engine optimization. Um, while I was teaching... Uh, the front end web development. My son was taking, he was in middle school at the time, and he was taking a web development class in middle school. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to put me out of a job. So that's when I started to like really <laughs> immerse myself into search engines um, in the marketing side of things because as long as Google and Bing are changing their algorithms and as long as Facebook is changing theirs and you got other browsers like DuckDuckGo and Firefox, as long as they're changing stuff, uh, I'll always have some strategic type of uh, planning to do uh, on behalf of my clients. So that's kind of how I got like really like immersed and settled into SEO. Um, after, after leaving um, education for a little while, I then started my own agency. Um, where we do specifically digital marketing and search engine optimization. So it's kind of where I'm at right now. No, perfect. Thanks for that uh, quick rundown. I just kind of want to ask you in general, what is search engine optimization? You know, I, I kind of always hear about it in terms from, uh, you know, my marketing team, my marketing folks. And when I think of search engine optimization, I always think of blogs and blog posting yeah. um, and what tags are in WordPress, <laughs> um, you know, so I think from that that perspective, um, could, could you just give us a short rundown of what search engine optimization actually is? Absolutely. So there's guys like me and we have magic wands behind the scenes and we do it all and we don't tell anybody because we don't want anybody taking our work. <laughs> no, that's, that's me and Brian are the same, right? <laughs> um, so SEO, search engine optimization, it's really exactly that. Um, it's optimizing the content that is available on the search engine. Um, and it's really like honing in on the user's needs. Um, we can all day claim that you know someone is going to search this term or that term, but we have to do a lot of strategy and research prior to any work on the website based on the demographic of the client. Because if that client's demographic is using certain terms, we really have to, you know, shed light on those terms through the content um, on the client's website or on their blog, like you said. Um, now, there's a lot of tools to do it, but it's really enhancing the content so the client's work is found uh, easier, for that matter to get better rankings on the cert page, the search engine results page. Yeah. So this leads me to, uh, you know, uh, my first question, Jensen, for certain organizations, you know, of varying sizes, they might have a more mature marketing and communications division where they feel like they've got the capabilities to tackle this kind of stuff themselves. Uh, but for a lot of smaller organizations, you know, they may actually be looking to their technology departments to solve this issue. And, and 
if it's traditional <laughs> IT that you're going to to submit a ticket and say, hey, improve our SEO, um, chances are it's not going to be done to the full extent. <laughs> You know, a lot, a lot of our expertise is turning things on and off again. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 tough um, because they're completely different fields. It's kind of like when I was in front end web development, people would ask me to Jensen, can you fix my printer? And I'm like, no, I can't fix your printer, but I could code you a website about printers. Um, SEO, SEO, and IT are are completely like that's apples and oranges, you know. Um, we have completely different educations, uh, different expertise. Um, so, I, so I could imagine how frustrated you might get when you get when you have that support ticket in front of you. Um, what I can say is that those larger organizations that have in-house marketing departments, they might have an SEO on staff that could do it for them. The smaller organizations that don't, um, a lot of times can't afford uh, financially to bring someone on board. Uh, and and pay them as a staff employee uh, to do that work. Um, one, you get what you pay for when it comes to that, and then two, the company also has to consider, you know, the paid time off. They have to consider the insurance and and, and all the taxes that come with having a new employee uh, on staff. So usually, you know, agencies, whether that's mine or somebody else's, can be a big benefit to those mid to small size companies because you're usually getting a flat rate, you know, usually a, an annual account um, or an annual contract and you don't have to worry about PTO. You don't have to worry about sick days and things like that. So at the end of the day, it's really beneficial for the medium to small size companies to consider that role um, and not try to pawn that responsibility off on an IT person or an executive admin for that matter when they're basically just doing homework uh, googling stuff like oh this is how you do SEO and then they do one thing but really there's so much to it um, so that's a big pain point for you I, I could assume <laughs> well and in particular I'm curious about you know what are the questions that leaders should be equipped with to even understand to ask you know from a business person's perspective you know, websites, uh, servers, laptops, it's all technology. And so if I have a technology challenge, I'm going to a tech guy. And so, uh, again, that, you know, the nuances between, you know, who might be more of a digital media specialist versus uh, someone who's an IT professional, that distinction might not be clear to many leaders. So I'm kind of curious, from your perspective, what are kind of those top five things that every leader should be equipped to understand when they're kind of stepping into your domain? So I think the first thing that comes to my head is you need to know your audience. So you're not doing SEO for yourself. You're not doing SEO for your team. You're not doing SEO because you think it's the right thing to do. You're doing SEO for your audience, for your consumer or for your client. Um, it's never about you and a lot of leadership um, they don't want to let go of the control. A lot of leadership, they're like, no, we helped build this website. We have a lot of time involved in it. You know, this is what I think is best. Well, unless you have an education in this stuff, you don't know what's best. You know, so you really are, you're catering to your clients, your user, your your potential lead. Um, so if if leadership comes to, to you and IT, 
and they're like, hey, we need SEO done. Um, it's a matter of like, hey, I could give you a ton of information about, you know, all these servers that we have. I could give you, you know, information about the cloud solutions that we use. I could give you information about cybersecurity, um, but I can't tell you who our clients are, right? Um, I don't, I, I could tell you who our clients are because I could look it up in the database that is, you know, being saved on our server, but I don't know who they are as people. I don't know how they're using the internet. Um, and that's where someone, an SEO, someone such as myself or, or anybody else that's in the field, we do that. We do that research. So we look and we see who is searching for these type of businesses and what terms are they using when they search. You know, we have the outlets to sort out those demographics. Um, your job is not people demographics. Your job is technology demographics. And SEO is always about the people using the platform. Um, that's, I think, the biggest thing that people get confused is they think that they know exactly what is needed until they realize that their clients are searching something completely different. You know, um, for example, building a website and doing SEO for an attorney well, when I need copy from them and content from them, they give me a bunch of attorney speak, like a bunch of legal, <laughs> legal mumbo jumbo, right? Legalese, yeah. yeah. And then yep. I go back to them and be like, I, we can't use this. We're going to have to revise it. Do you have time? I could spend a few hours with you. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And I have to explain to them, like, your, your potential client isn't going to type in any words that you just used. You're, you're talking to other attorneys. You have to talk to guys like me, you know, so we essentially have to, you know, simplify what they're saying. So when people search the proper terms, they're finding uh, this attorney's website. So uh, to answer your question, Brian, that was really a tailed off and a little tangent. Sorry about that, uh, because it's, it's very common that that happens. And it's important for leadership to understand that the IT professionals the facility managers, the people that are all helping operations run at that business don't necessarily know who the client or the user is. And if you don't know who that is, you're not going to do an accurate and quality job when it comes to SEO. And that, that brings me to uh, one of my questions is, you, you know, you deal with a lot of organizations and maybe they, they're they a business-to-business -business, uh, type entity why would they care about search engine optimization when, you know, maybe they're in the insurance space and they're a broker and, you know, they're not dealing with end-to-end -end customers, you know, because when we think of search engine optimization, we always think of someone finding an end customer like an Amazon or like a Facebook. Sure. Um, because nowadays, in order to get a handshake, you have to be found, right? So... We, we essentially optimize for the handshake. Uh, we live in a world of uh, self-education. Um, we no longer have to call people to get information. I don't have to open up the phone book to get the expert's phone number. Um, I will go onto Google and I will search said expert and I will see what value they have on their website or what value and the consistent activity they have on their social media and I will immediately make a judgment call if they are the expert that I need. So if I land on your website and there's minimal value in the content that you're providing, I'm going to go to the next person in line on the search engine on, on the results page and what value is there. Um, and then, then I will go to that 
business connection as opposed to that product that I searched, right? Um, mm -hmm. I will be able to determine that this company is providing me more value through their blog, their website, their videos, their podcasts, so on and so forth, um, that I want to talk to them. Then I'll take the action step of either emailing or, or giving that phone call um, in a business-to-business -business sense. It doesn't have to always be about, you know, searching the newest uh, running shoe, you know, or the newest baseball bat or what have you. Uh, if I want to search an insurance broker and I type that in, if their website's outdated, if it doesn't work on my phone, things like that, it's going to play a role and I'm going to determine like, wow, are they taking things serious or not? So it still plays a role in B2B on a big scale because you're even dealing with more dollar transfers in B2B than you are B2C. So to be updated like that and to show your the authority in your field by the content that you provide on your website, which should be optimized, um, that's how B2B is going to benefit from SEO. So it sounds like that's part of your service offering when you become engaged uh, with the client. Yes. It's it's not just about the SEO itself. It's really about let's do a thorough review of your content so that we can understand top to bottom how are you representing yourself, uh, how current is all of the information that's publicly on display, and helping to educate the internal workforce around some of those things. 100%. Um, for every client of mine, um, not even clients, for potential clients, for people that just simply have interest, we do a competitor analysis. Um, and I hope every other SEO agency does as well um, because then that's proof in their own quality, right? But um, we'll do a competitor analysis up to five competitors. So we'll do an analysis on your website and your social media in regards to your frequency and the quality of copy that you have. And we'll do the same on four to five of your competitors, whether that be national or local competitors. And we'll be able to give you a side-by-side -side comparison of, okay, you, you want to compete with, say, the big dogs in your industry, and they're posting three times a day, seven days a week, and they're averaging three videos a week about how to do something, and you're inconsistently posting, you know, three times a week. So if you want to, if you want to play in the same, in the same league as them, we have to up the ante. So we break it all down and then we kind of let the client determine how far they want to jump in. So they want to start off slow, get their feet wet and ramp up to it because some companies don't have the bandwidth to come up with that much copy or that much content. So, you know, we do that breakdown and then we kind of see what the client wants to do in regards to getting started, if they want to ease in or if they have the bandwidth, like let's just go after them right away. And then it's like, full steam ahead on the SEO and the optimization of all their content. So Jensen, it sounds to me like a lot of your initial engagement is sort of managing up to an organization's leadership, helping to educate <laughs> and inform uh, yes. and, and get them, you know, get their, their perspective <laughs> oriented in the right way. Going the other direction, how many organizations tend to approach you where many of the things that you've already described are already an inherent part of their strategy and may also be um, part of the intent of uh, the, the organizational leadership, that they know that they've, they've already kind of gone part way with what they can do with SEO and web presence, and now they really want to drive it uh, from a leadership perspective with an inherent underlying strategy. Not a lot. Not a lot of companies uh, have approached us uh, in regards to like, hey, we got this far.
can you help us, you know, break that plateau? And I think the reason why is that, you know, what we're two decades into the internet, uh, like really being like wide, wide use, mm-hmm. um, that's really, it's still in its birthing stage. You know, we really haven't even tapped the surface of what the capabilities are. Um, and even if we have tapped the surface, a lot of these major corporations, mid-sized corporations even, have lasted the past, you know, decade and a half on previously existing ways, uh, protocols and systems, and they haven't needed marketing. Like we've been doing great for 50 years and we've never had to hire a marketer. Like, why do we need you now? Why do we need SEO? We've been doing this for this long. And it's a matter of sitting down and doing that competitor analysis and saying, well, you've been in business for 50 years. This company has been in business for 10 years and they're toasting you, you know, because they hopped on that SEO or that digital marketing train right away. Um, The harder part is dealing with um, uh, senior leadership those owners that have had their nose in the books for a really long time that aren't web or tech savvy. Um, that's that's where a lot of the education does come into play uh, just because they're unfamiliar. They're unfamiliar and it's actually scary for them. They're like, we have to trust our, you know, 30, 50 year old company in the hands of, you know, social media engagement. That's crazy. So the education is tough. Uh, it's a lot of meetings. Um, and it's a lot of dedicated time and understanding that the people that we're talking to, um, they've never had the budget for an SEO person or they've never had the budget for a digital marketer. They don't understand how engagement on social media can attract people in search engine result pages. They don't understand that stuff. So walking them through and, and simplifying it for them so it doesn't seem so daunting. But um, not a lot of people come to us that kind of got the ball rolling and need us to carry it the rest of the way. Usually they're coming to us and it's just like, look, we need someone to do it. Can you? <laughs> and then it's and then it's explaining like, yes, we can. And then they get scared and then they see the, the proposal cost and they don't understand why it costs so much. And then you explain and it's it's quite a nurturing of that relationship in the education space. How much of your process includes trying to translate that into some type of ROI model so that there are some clear indicators for decision makers and leadership who they're going to be on the hook for a price tag that they may not have been prepared to stomach (laughs) and they want to know what the return on value is going to be the engagement. Yeah, that's 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 always a tough one too because the sticker shock is sometimes crazy, but then when we have that conversation, that's already we've already nurtured the relationship and we've gone through the education portion and we've given them case studies and we've done the competitor analysis and then when they're finally ready to like commit and be like, okay, we really want to talk about budget and let's talk about this contract you have, and they look at the price and they're like, what? Um, they're like, I could hire someone to do it for me. And then it's just a matter of explaining like, uh, no, not really, because what we're doing for you is is the SEO um, and, you know, the distribution. So if you want, you could hire a, a, a CMO, a chief marketing officer. That chief marketing officer is going to need to delegate the SEO stuff to a person that does SEO. And then the person that does SEO, when they're done, they have to let the social media strategist take over for distribution. And I mean, the ball just keeps rolling. By the time you're done, you're hiring five people. 
you know? <laughs> so it, it's a lot easier yeah. for those, those companies to just be like, can you guys just do it all? And it, it's a matter of those companies to be honest. Like some companies, they'll be like, yes, we could do it all and figure it out as they go. There's some companies that are staffed and equipped to handle it. So, but that's a tough, Brian, that's a tough conversation that we always end up having with, with leadership because again, a lot of times they've never had to do this before. So they're really, it's, it's a very scary rabbit hole for them. Now I'm curious, I'll ask you a question because, you know, we, we kind of get this a lot in IT. It's, you know, you'll, you'll bring up the topic about some new technology or some new thing. How much pushback do you get? You know, when you're talking to new clients, when they're like, you don't understand our business, it's a very difficult, complicated business. You couldn't possibly apply this SEO technology to our business because it's just too complex and too regulated. It's not possible. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> I have gotten that before. And those are tough conversations also because I just want to be like, bro, really? It's research. But you can't do that. You have to kind of respect the hierarchy there. Um but it's it's a matter of assuring them that you're not just providing a service, but you're maintaining a relationship. Um, I tell almost all of my clients, with the exception of the ones that are just like Jensen, can you please just do it? I don't like talk to me in 30 days with a report, and we're good. Um, otherwise, majority of my clients, it's we're having conversations. Um, the more you can educate me about your field the better I can be of service to you. At the end of the day, I'm a servant leader. I empower my team and I empower my clients. Uh, and businesses pivot. You know, mm -hmm. uh, when maybe 10 years ago, everything was like hardcore Dell servers. And now, you know, people are looking at Microsoft Azure, you know, for their cloud solutions. So as businesses pivot, I have to be agile enough to pivot with them. So I really pride myself, my team prides themselves on the relationships we have with the clients and the fact that like, look, if you're stressed out at 11 o'clock at night, you want to send me a text message, I might not answer it till the morning, but I want you to feel comfort comfortable enough to say, hey, Jensen, um, I, know we, I know I approved those five blog posts already, but I, don't publish them yet. I want to look over them one more time. And that's cool. Like we understand the changes of things. And as long as our clients know that you assume that we can't figure it out and we can't do the optimization on your website well we can if you're willing to work with us you know it's more of a partnership than just we're a service provider mm -hmm. so that's kind of how we get through to the the tougher clients that you know insist that nobody can do it but them um it's really it's a relationship it's a partnership yeah I can totally believe it. And I have, I have one question for you. You brought up a good point. You said something about a, a company blog. I've heard conflicting things about whether you should have a blog, whether it should be on the same website or it should be on a subdomain. <laughs> um, I mean, are we seeing companies actually, um, you know, post content and blog post where it's not just kind of marketing spiel? Um, are you seeing anything like that? Uh, so blogs are super important still to this day. Um, every search engine looks for fresh and new content. You figure if they crawl your website a hundred times, but none of the content changed, but you have five competitors that's always adding new information of value, well, all your competitors are going to get better rankings because they're always adding value. Um, whether it's on a subdomain or it's on the same domain, um, it's still necessary. There's conflicting 
beliefs that one is better than the other, at the end of the day, you just need a blog. Like you, you need a blog where you're either adding stuff about company culture, because if you're just blogging about company culture, you're more desired by potential employees that make other businesses wonder why people want to work for you and not them. And all of a sudden you're getting attention from other businesses if you're in the B2B space. Um, to blog about your um, uh, the business itself or the services you provide is important as well. Uh, and backlinking and linking to authority sites is important too. Google recognizes that. So if you're working with uh, cloud solutions and you link over to AWS, Google is going to read the content on that blog post and they're going to see that you're talking about the you know web services cloud solutions and they're going to see that you linked out to Amazon. So it's going to be like, oh, wow, okay, so not only are they talking about it, but they linked to it, so it must be important. All of a sudden, you get authority on that. I thought you were about to say that Google automatically demotes that search because it's not going to Google Cloud Server. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, because uh, as much as you think that Google would like be like kind of shysty and kind of keep you on all of their products, um, they they build their algorithm based on the user. Um, we can we could badmouth the dark side all day <laughs> in regards to that stuff, uh, but at the end of the day, it really is all about the user. Um, if Google did a really crappy job and only directed people to their own products, uh, they would lose users. You know, so they're 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 pretty fair when it comes to that kind of that stuff. No, I, I, was, I was just being snarky when I said that. But I appreciate <laughs> well, your answer. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people have that assumption. Even though, you know, I got your jest in it, a lot of people have that assumption and they wonder if they could actually trust those results. Um, knowing that at the end of the day, it's always about the user when it comes to the search. Um, it's, it's safe to say that they're going to find authority content uh, in a very legitimate manner. Let me ask you a question about rule of thumb around blog posts. So frequency, length, you know, I think uh, I've seen leaders in the past who their idea of publishing to a blog is they're writing an essay. And that might be at the speed of a certain age demographic, but uh, I'm kind of curious on, on your take for, for that rule of thumb. Yeah, sure. Um, so rule of thumb on blog posts. Uh, consistency is probably the most important thing. Whether you're blogging at 400 words or 1400 words, it just has to be consistent. Know that you're going to publish on every Wednesday or you're going to publish on the 1st and the 15th of every month. You know, um, has to be consistent because once you develop a following, uh, as soon as you miss a week or two weeks or a month, um, you're forgotten. You know, uh, when even if you only have 100 uh, followers on a social media platform if you don't post and they're posting like five times a day whether it's hamburger pictures or not they're going to forget about you because you're going to be so covered up by everything else so it's important when you start blogging um, that you're consistent blogging vlogging podcasting whatever it's important that you're publishing consistently as much as you can on the same days of the week or of the month um, so you have that I know I could log on to your website every Wednesday and get new content that's important to me. Um, the length is really determined by your strategy. And this is where like the strategic ops thing comes into role when I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you have to have a strategy. You can't just blog post for the sake of blog posting. Um, if, you're, if you're wanting to blog about cloud solutions, 
you should have your main topic cloud solutions and essentially you know five or six supporting topics okay so if you do you know 600 to 1200 word blog posts about those supporting topics then you can put all of them together and make one longer blog post or one longer white paper so essentially then all seven the six blog posts in the white paper the six blog posts in the long post um, all can link to each other so when Google looks at one and it links to the next one and it links to the next one and links to the next one it's seeing that they're all related therefore they're all sharing value to the person reading them on that main topic so consistency strategy in the topics and making sure they all have synergy with each other is like really rule of thumb number one two and three uh that way <laughs> and, and keeping that pattern so if you've done all that about cloud solutions and then you want to go into security the same thing come up with the six subtopics write about them link them together create the white paper you're adding value in topic clusters and google is going to crawl those topic clusters you know, since we're on the topic of blogging, I just had kind of an interesting question here. Just want to pick your brain. You know, as a technology professional, you see different people with technology backgrounds that kind of start a blog. Um, and there's kind of differing beliefs, like should should you blog on a personal level? Should you create kind of some of your own brand um, so that you show up in Google more than just kind of on a, you know, corporate page? This is Joe Smith and Joe Smith does, you know, information architecture, you know, or should they be blogging more on a personal level? Uh, I think that depends on the goal of that person in their career. Um, if... Uh, that person is super comfortable at their job. Maybe they're at a, a C level, or a, or even a managerial or director level, and they're happy there. And they don't plan on going anywhere, but they would like to expand into like getting on the speaker circuit, and maybe speaking at you know tech world and you know cyber world and all this stuff. Uh, then they can build their personal brand, which would only benefit the company they work for. It could also hurt the company they work for if they stink at it, though. So they have to be careful, right? Um, but yeah. for your question, it really depends on that person's goal. Um, I don't blog personally. Uh, you know, everything I do is based on my business. I like to be behind the scenes more mm -hmm. than anything else. I'm not an extrovert. Uh, I like tinkering, you know, and in, in helping the client without people knowing that I'm there. Um, some people do like to be the face of things. And if that's the case, then to have a blog and put yourself out there, then it might be worth that. You know, uh, it was really up to the individual, Nick. Now, I'm, I'm, I, I committed to writing a book, so I'm going to have to start putting myself out there if I want people to read my book. <laughs> so, and that's the hardest thing for me. Like, I'm like, I'm writing, I'm cruising, but I'm not really, oh my gosh. So this is the first time I really told anybody about it other than my wife and a couple of colleagues. So it's just like, gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm kinda, <laughs> I just kind of screwed myself. Uh, yeah. So it's just like, I'm going to have to start becoming more extroverted and putting myself out there more. And I'm not good at that. So uh, it, I guess it depends on where you are in your career. And some companies might not want people to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, they might be like, look, if you're doing that, you know, and you put us at risk because you are representing our company, you know, mm -hmm. when you're putting yourself out there, they might not like that. They, a lot of companies may disapprove. 
So this brings up a really good point that I'm curious on your thoughts about. That's marketing yourself. You know, yes. LinkedIn has really become a uh, the professional go-to. Uh, you know, the uh, 21st century version of your resume as well as your you know professional socialized um, centralization point. So when it comes to marketing yourself, kind of where where do you need to be cautious in terms of how that might uh, create some friction with your existing employer versus what you're trying to do to build your own network? Sure. Uh, good question and a tough question to answer. I think any just just out of saving face and respecting the company that you work for and that your career is in, that should be a conversation between the individual and their management. Um, simply out of respect. Um, you know, if if you're out there and you're you're building your LinkedIn and you're building this personal brand. Is your company in fear that you're going to leave, or are they empowering you to do so in building that brand? Um, it, that's there's a, I guess there's a real gray area there in regards to how some companies would perceive that. However, I I empower my team to put themselves out there. Um, I give them ownership in their in their projects. Um, if they come to me with an idea, I'll never shoot it down. I may have a rebuttal and I may mm -hmm. ask them to do more research and bring more proof to me, but I'll never shoot it down. I'll let them figure that out. And we might try it for a client or we might try it on behalf of the Candor brand to see if it mm -hmm. works. Um, uh, I believe in empowering the team um, and I would hope a lot of other uh, employers would as well. However, if you're unsure about that in your own uh, workspace environment, uh, you might want to talk first. Like, hey, boss, I'm going to be putting out a video blog on LinkedIn. Probably going to do it once a month, and I want to talk about this. Um, I promise there's not going to be any conflict of interest. I absolutely love my job, but this is something I want to do just to build my professional network. They might be great. Okay, go for it. Thank you for bringing it up. I respect the fact that you did so. Uh, just to kind of CYA, right? You just want to be careful. You don't want to burn bridges. So uh, personal brands and business brands are tough, especially when you're wanting to do it on your own. It's kind of difficult. That's great. So next part to my question, Jensen, let's say you get the green light from your boss and now you want to take some of your own principles that you've shared with us on SEO and apply it to something like LinkedIn. What are some of those tips and tricks for someone who is trying to market themselves? Plan, plan, plan. You can't just jump on there and start selfie videoing yourself talking to you know <laughs> the LinkedIn world. Oh man, there goes my plan. <laughs> oh, Nick, Nick, you and I, we could we could talk sidebar yeah. later. <laughs> I'm gonna do uh, you know 360 cam everything. <laughs> um, so my my suggestion would be, you need to have a list of talking points. Uh, like the topic clusters for blogging, you need to have that for what you're going to put putting out on LinkedIn, whether that's a video or whatnot. And then you have to strategize, you know, how that's going to flow as you post. So what what I what me and Katie were doing with our podcast, we would record like six of them before we published one. That way, if she's sick one day or I'm sick one day, we still have backups, right? So if you just jump feet in first and you're like, hey, everybody, look at me. This is what I do. And I'm going to be sending you a whole bunch of great stuff. Follow me on LinkedIn. And then two weeks later, you're not posting anything. Well, you kind of just hurt yourself. So it's important to have a game plan and have a calendar. 
You know, know that Outlook is going to ping you every time that you have to publish something or use a tool that publishes for you. But it's really important that it's premeditated. It's very intentional. Um, it can't be very spontaneous. Not if you want success because you'll lose consistency. That's great. Consistency is key, huh? Yes, 100%. <laughs> I want to go back to something that you touched on a little earlier in one of your comments. So mm -hmm. you, you characterized yourself as a servant leader. I'd like to know some more about your perspective on what servant leadership is. Sure. Um, so for me, you know, one, it's our job to serve our clients. Um, our clients, you know, it, it's always about them. And for the clients, it should be about their user or their, or their clients. Um, so it's important that we serve them to the best of our ability, build a relationship, and um, not just make assumptions, but be educated in what we're doing so we do our best for them. In regards to being a business owner and working with a team, um, I believe that's about empowerment. I believe, you know, uh, trusting. Uh, if, you're, if you hired somebody that you're not willing to let them take ownership in something, maybe you shouldn't have hired them. Um, I really believe that the team that I have, I can 100% trust to make decisions. Um, understanding that there's going to be failure, um, but failure can be rectified, it can be fixed, it can be learned from. And I think that's that's really important. So if, if one of my team, they need uh, a little bit more education in something, I want to be able to serve them. I want to be able to provide them with that education or an outlet to do so. If one of my team wants to leave because they see greener pastures and they want to try something else, um, I'm, I'm going to help them do so. I'm going to either you know, help pave the road or, or make it easier for them to do so. Um, I, I really believe when, when you can serve and you can help people better themselves, um, you become a better person for it. Uh, it I mean, it's it's kind of just how I've been living, you know, my life is, is if there's room for all of us to be successful, Brian, um, there's enough people in this in this world, there's enough businesses in this world that everybody can be successful. Why not help them be successful? You know, if somebody in my company wants to go and start their own company, well, yeah, like, let's go. I'll go down to the courthouse with you and we'll get the LLC papers. Like, don't fumble over yourself if I can help you do it. Um, I, I just, I've always lived my life that way, you know. Uh, just, we could all be successful. I think being a servant leader is a way to help people do so. Great, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's an awesome quote. I, I know I've known you for a while yeah. too, and I guess we we haven't spoken a, in uh, quite a number of years. But I, I know you're you're a pretty serial entrepreneur here. So, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know I I've I've had a couple businesses. Um, this has been the one I've had the most conviction in, and it's actually allowed me to be more of that leader than the other businesses, uh, and in that. There's a lot of passion behind that, so I think that's why I've had more success with Candor Digital um, than you know in the past. Uh, I had to hone in on that, and it helped. Falling down, making mistakes, getting help, getting back up, and then finding passion in what I do also uh, obviously plays a role in the success of things. Have you utilized any kind of executive coaching along the way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but 
So a lot of people think that you have to go out and like hire a mentor or you have to pay to be in this mentor group or that mentor group. And I'm, I'm sure there's value in that. So I'm not taking away from people that do, uh, nor am I taking away from people that do charge for their time because time is important. Um, we use time, we, we pay you know, our time multiple places throughout our lives. So I'm not taking away from the people that either make money as mentors or people that pay money for mentors. Um, I found myself in a very fortunate position to be surrounded by some really great people. And um, when I started my business, and still, my business is still fairly new, um, I'll reach out to old friends or people from the gym that I know are, are successful and be like, hey, I know you're busy. But if you have 30 minutes that I could maybe, you know, buy you a coffee, I would love to just pick your brain. Um, for example, I am meeting with a friend who is a dentist because I think we have a good value proposition for people in that industry. And I'm not pitching him. I want to know what would rebuttals be when I approach other people in the industry. I want to know, like, what is the best way to approach someone like that without being intrusive? I want to, I want people to welcome me into their office. I don't have to, I don't want to have to pry the door open. So by, by being very vulnerable and honest in my approach to, you know, people that I know in, in different mentor-esque positions has put me in a spot where I was able to build my business around that. So if I didn't have the guidance of some business mentors, I wouldn't be as far along with candor as that I, as I am. So I think having executive leadership, um, even a board of directors that you meet with once a month that are shooting down ideas and giving you like the most brutally honest feedback ever. I think it's important because you would rather hear it from professionals behind closed doors than hear it in public on social media because you butchered it that bad, you know? So why not tap into those with more knowledge? Sounds great. Yeah. And I just have a question for you, like as, as we're talking about mentorship and everything, you know, as you have lower level staff members working for you, do you do anything to kind of help lift them up, give them more responsibility, kind of mentor them to to go to the next level, whether it's either, either with you or to move on to a new role at another organization? Yes, absolutely. So um, <clears throat> one of my normal practices when somebody comes on or, or somebody that's working for me, uh, provide them with the responsibility uh, of things with somebody. So a senior person in my company would then coach the new person, almost like job shadow. And then we're not gonna hand you five accounts. We're gonna give you one account, one account and we want you to knock it out of the park, do better than we were doing before. But we don't wanna talk to you for the rest of the day. Like, go. Like, fly, little birdie, fly, right? Like, we hired you because you can do your job. We didn't hire you because we want to hover over your desk to make sure you're hitting the right button. So we kind of coach them, let them fly, bring them back to the nest, review, coach them, let them fly, bring them back to the nest until they are so self-sufficient that they come in, high five, sit down, and knock it out of the park all day. Um so that's kind of like in-house as we're working. When it comes to getting out there and meeting more people, here in Orlando, there's tons. There's more networking events than I could remember. Um, it's kind of absurd how many networking events there are right now. And I just don't want to go to all of them. It's I have a family. 
you know, and I just, it's, come on. So it's just like, okay, does anybody want to go, right? And then um, I got your parking, I got your entrance, I got all this. Go, represent the company. Meet whoever mm-hmm. you can meet, you know? And then, you know, there are some people that are more introverted, such as myself, so I'll send people in teams because it's always good to have a wingman. So you have two people go. That way, if they're super awkward, they can just hang with each other, right? But at least there was a presence at the networking event, and they got exposed to meeting more people. Um, that's their opportunity. Yes, they're representing Candor Digital, but at the same time, that's an opportunity for them to shine a little bit. It's an opportunity mm-hmm. for them to take the spotlight. They're the ones representing the company. Companies don't just send anybody. Companies send people strategically to impress those other people at these events. I'll send everybody. Like, go. This is your opportunity. I know you're not going to let me down because you're not going to want to let yourself down. This is your opportunity to take that spotlight. So we definitely mentor in-house. We want everybody to grow. We want everybody to be able to take a senior role at some point in their career, whether that's with us or that's with somebody else. Again, we want everybody to be successful. And we also want everybody to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Go to that networking event and bring me back, you know, a couple contacts. It doesn't even matter if they're potential clients or not. Just like, I want to know you, how it went and who you talked to, you know, and give them an opportunity to, you know, try that out um, with no expectation. When you go into it with no expectation, you're usually pleasantly surprised, you know. So I don't expect to get a whole lot of networking events, um, even when I go. But uh, at the same time, it's always nice when they come back and be like, man, it was really great. I met the person who set up the networking event. They introduced me to three people. Um, before you know it, they had a good time. They're way more comfortable next time. I'm curious from, uh, you know, data is something that you've touched on is a critical factor uh, in, in your line of business. I'm kind of curious from, uh, from what you just described, you know, really uh, empowering your staff members are there specific policies or uh, requirements that you put around um, sending them out to those types of events? Like, is there a, uh, you know, if you're going to a networking event, I want to make sure that you've met with three people, you come back with, you know, three critical things. Is <laughs> and you take it easy on the alcohol, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. When there's free Don't news, it's always YouTube. like... Yeah, like, oh my gosh. So I, I know who not to send to. Uh, Don't be for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our our KPIs when it comes to networking events, um, and for those listening, like key performance index, right? Um, so they're really vague because I I I feel like if you if you tighten the reins too much, people are going to be too apprehensive and too protective over what they say and and maybe not put across a more personal impression. And, you know, if you're, in my opinion, now I'm not speaking for anybody else but myself, but if the reins are too tight, they're going to be too scared to say the wrong thing and might not say anything. So what I tell everybody that goes to a networking event on our behalf is I want you to go, I want you to survey the room, I want you to tell me who is in the room. And the next time you go, I want you to go with the goal of eventually being a keynote speaker at the event. Go. And who is the audience? Tell me who the audience is, right? Are they younger millennials? Are they C-suite executives? You know, is it is it more gender-based? You know, uh, it's so different, the ones that we have the opportunities to go to. But I want everybody to know that the end goal is I want you to be the expert at that event. 
I want you to be able to take ownership, whether it's now or a year from now, I want you to be the guest speaker. You know, so know the audience. Can you cater to the audience? If not, when you come back, who at Candor can cater to that audience? And let's make sure they have that opportunity. So knowing the knowing the target market is important and having a goal. If you're going just to collect business cards and like you said, have a couple beers, well, it's kind of silly because you might get a business card, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get them as a lead. You might be their lead. So that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> That's true. Right? What, that doesn't yeah. mean anything to me. What means something to me is that you become the expert. So every time you go, you're like, oh, hey, Sue, how are you doing? How's everything over at Candor? You know, you know, I was talking about you the other day because somebody had a question about SEO. I'll be sure to connect you with them. That's what I want. I want them to have such a brand presence that they become the authority. And if I put too many constraints on that, they'll be too apprehensive to do so. So that's that's our goal with networking events and who we send. That's great. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And then let me let me just reel us back in here for one <laughs> second to <laughs> back to SEO. <laughs> to SEO. Back to SEO. Yeah, yeah just. So one second, I can hit my last one. You know, kind of over the years, as you know, marketing's kind of involved, and you know, things have come along like Salesforce and HubSpot and Pardot and Marketo. Um, IT leaders have kind of been merging closer and closer, working more and more with you know the chief marketing officer or um, you know digital strategist or how, however we want to term that. Uh, we find ourselves working with those individuals more and more is, is there anything that you think um you know that people as it leaders can do to kind of help um you know the chief marketing officer or digital strategist kind of prepare and um you know get those crms in order get pardot sending out marketing automation you know to kind of help that be successful i would my first suggestion there would be be educated in like the top five to ten platforms uh, know what you would potentially be working with. Um, just because you're using Salesforce now doesn't mean that the next CMO is going to be like, no, 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 we're moving HubSpot, right? Um, I would say, and it doesn't have to be super in-depth, but I think anybody in, say, the IT field, when people are coming in wanting to implement these type of platforms, those of y'all in the IT field should at least know what the heck they're talking about. Like HubSpot, what? So you should at least be educated at that 30,000 foot level of what this is and what it does. You should know that it can automate and database inbound as well as outbound. You know, if somebody fills out the form, you should know what information is being saved. Um, And you should know, is it like super private? Is it HIPAA compliant? You know, depending on your industry, there's things like that. Um, in the financial world, like FINRA and stuff like that, you, there's a lot of compliance there that you have to be concerned about because of the SEC. So, you know, it's really important that you understand the platforms and their capabilities. You don't have to know it from scratch like you built it yourself, but you have to be able to communicate with the people that are pitching it to the company or the people that want to implement it. You have to know what the risks are. You have to know what the benefits are, um, and if you if you could do that, 
you'll have a much better relationship for the CMOs or with the CMOs that are trying to bring these platforms into the company because you're going to get CMOs that are super stubborn and they're like, no, I grew up on HubSpot. I, I knew about HubSpot when I had a pacifier. We're using HubSpot. And you might be like, no, Marketo, I want to use this. And they're like, nope, this is how it is. They put me in the C-suite position. You have no option, buddy. We're doing it. Um, so it's important that you understand if there are risks, what they are, um, how to circumvent those risks, how to protect those risks, things like that. I think being intelligent enough on those platforms to communicate and have a good working relationship is important. Um, there's no doubt you're going to be experiencing a multitude of platforms like that in marketing. Um, just being educated in those top five to ten um, that you're going to have to encounter eventually is going to be super important. Absolutely. And that's as easy as like just taking the time, carving out you know, 30 minutes a day going onto their website, whether that's reading their blog or watching their how-to or their educational videos on their platform, or even signing up for a webinar um, that they may have about their platform or, or scheduling a 30-minute phone conversation with someone on their sales team and explaining to them, be like, hey, um, I'm in IT, you know, somebody was talking to me about your platform, I want to know more about it in case it comes my way. They'll give you 30 minutes because you're still a lead. I mean, they're going to bombard you with emails, but I mean, honestly, I'll take 10 emails from you if it's going to educate me more on your platform. I mean, so be it, you know, it's worth it. Uh, and it'll, you'll be more prepared. So research. <laughs> no perfect point. <laughs> <laughs> research. That's, that's what we always kind of have to try and tell people yeah. uh, from our perspective. Oh, I'm sure. You know, they, they want the new shiny thing. And, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, like technology has become so consumerized with Apple and, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Microsoft and Google iterating, you know, used to be a point in time where you went to work and that was the best computer you had and the best internet you could get. And now it's kind of slowly going the other way where people come in and they're like, you know, I'm trying to log in. Why does this take 45 <laughs> seconds? <laughs> it's like, ah, curse you 45 seconds, you, you know, like, ah, oh, cause we're running yeah. antivirus for mapping printers when you yeah. log in, it's trying to figure out where you are. <laughs> you know, um, so, so I can understand that from that perspective as well. In regards to that question too, if I may, uh, one more thing. Um, I I never I never give a definitive when when asked. I always wait. Um, we we need to do this. We need to do this now. I never agree yes or no, agree or disagree, right then and there. I always feel like I have to buy myself time to be more educated for that answer, and there's no shame in doing that. So. In, in an IT manager or IT you know field answering a question like hey we want to go to Marketo when can we make this happen um, it's a matter of like okay that's great and I already know why you want to because I'm kind of familiar with Marketo's benefits but because I'm responsible for the security of this entire organization you need to give me some time to do my research before we commit to anything let's set up a meeting you know a week from now that way i could take the time and i could determine you know what that's going to do to the entire computer infrastructure of our company um, if anybody shoots you down or gives you lip <laughs> because you simply want to protect your company's best interest it, you're going to you're in for a rocky road regardless but that person that's bringing it to you should respect the fact that you are concerned about the company, it's in your best interest, and you're willing to do the research to have a longer, more detailed conversation. Um, and I think that goes for any any industry. 
I think if you're if you're ever unsure of something, simply ask for the time to do the research and you'll gain respect from the person with the request because they know you want to be more educated. Um, I think that goes a long way. So uh, I, sorry, I wanted to revisit that um, uh, because yeah, no, I think no, that no, plays fine. a major role. Yeah. So I'm just going to ask one question I've kind of been asking everyone we've been interviewing here. Um, this has nothing completely to do with SEO, but are there any books that you've read or any piece of media that's had kind of a big influence on you um, that you'd want to share with us? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Man. Um, books that I've read. It's funny because... It doesn't have to be a book or just, a, you know, like a some, audio, blog posts. I'm a big and audio article. book guy, right? So yeah. I'll like audio book and uh, I'll listen to that on my drive or podcast on my drive and stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a book called Lost and Founder by Rand Fishkin. Um, he was the CEO of uh, Moz. So anybody looking to like get into SEO or do some self-research, mozmoz.com. I have no affiliation with them. It is just like a wealth of knowledge when you log on to their website. Um, he was the CEO and he has since left Moz and started his own company called Spark Toro. He published a book called Lost and Founder. Um, it's worth the read for anybody, whether you're interested in SEO or just business or, or agency work. Um, fabulous. Another uh, person that I listened to a lot and read his books is Jocko Willink. Um, uh, I kind of got that sense from you when, when, yeah. you, when you were talking. <laughs> Extreme ownership is is yeah. huge. I mean, I can't speak enough about his his books. And yeah. he's, See, Brian, you need to read that. He I, is, I bought Brian that book. Oh yeah, I don't my know if gosh, read it yet. Brian, get on it. <laughs> After you read it, we'll have to have another, like, one of these. And if it does, it's not a podcast, that's okay. But we have to have another phone call after you read it. Um, game changer. So uh, that and um, there's a, a podcast called Marketing School. And it's by Eric Sue and Neil Patel. They're, like, six-minute podcasts. So if you know you have a 15-minute drive, you could – break through three of them and get out of your car like oh my gosh i gotta revisit all of that wealth of knowledge so uh those are i think those are my three off the top of my head the lost and founder is the most recent read of mine um jocko's i revisit that quite often um you know i dog ear places and i'll, I'll go back to some things that he's he said and um i listen to the marketing school podcast all the time uh for me you know, I've been in SEO for quite some time now, uh, and it's just like it's easy to forget something that's just fundamentally sound, and I'll hear it on there, and it's just like, right? It's like wake me up and be like, oh my gosh, I need to put that into my system, you know? So it's like if I'm doing A, B, C, and D, I need to include this as well. Um, all of those are really great outlets for people just to gain a little bit more knowledge and information for sure. No, some good stuff. I'll, I'll give you another recommendation here with your lost and founder. Yeah. There's a book called uh, Creativity Inc. Yes. By Ed Catmull. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've read that. Yep, I have. Um, but that's that's a very good book as yeah, well. Yeah, that's the one with Buzz Lightyear like silhouette on the front, and he's doing this thing, right? Oh, yeah, and he goes all yeah. the way through from, you know, <laughs> yep. randomly yes. being a PhD student to being at Skywalker Ranch randomly. Yeah, it all seems like it was just random like, for him at some point. But, yeah. Like, what kind of life are you living, bro? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> book for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Do you have any uh, questions there, Brian? No, I uh, really appreciate the time that you spent with this, Jensen. I, I think we've touched on a lot of really cool topics here. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think we're due for some conversation outside of the podcast. 
uh, domain yeah. as well. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I'm really grateful that you guys contacted me, Nick. It's been a long time, and man, hey, no, no problem, this man. Is, it's, uh, this is I remember from the Muay Thai days, man. I still got that shirt. So <laughs> yes, it's kind of small now. But. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. I still teach it. I still teach it. Um, I know. Next time in Orlando, I'll have to get down there and uh, yeah, come see. Please you. You know, do. I, I train jujitsu mostly now, but Sweet. I know you're at Gracie Baja. Yep. Yep. And uh, Brian's wife is actually Thai, so he, oh, he knows a little bit yes, about Muay Thai, Muay Thai there. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. Sawati. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I'm really grateful. And y'all are probably going to go back and listen to this and be like, wow, he talks a mile a minute. He doesn't use punctuation. It's just like one run-on sentence. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> No, no you're you're completely fine. <laughs> so, if people are looking for you to reach out to you, how how can they find you? Uh, super simple. Um, usually, so Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, it's like at Jensen Hendricks. Um, you just got to make sure you're spelling my name right. Um, yeah, I know. I'm I'm guilty of not spelling it correctly. Everybody does, bro. <laughs> it's it's like, either Jason, Justin, Jansen. They never get my first name right, and if they get my first name right, they don't get my last name right. So, but it's at Jensen Hendricks. Um, if you want to look at my company's website to see if it's as crazy as I am talking, it's candordm.com for digital media, candordm.com. And my email address is j, just the letter j, at candordm.com. So you could email me if you want. Like, hey, I'm spelling your name wrong. I can't find you online anywhere, so email me. Well, hopefully your your SEO is up to date and you know you just start typing, it's so right? It's like, funny. did you mean? Honestly, like, bro, Nick, I'm telling you, ah, oh, man, it's like the cobbler shoes, you know? Yeah. Like the cobbler can like fix everybody's shoes in the entire town, but his own are like tattered and torn. So it's like I'm looking at my own website. I'm like, oh, I'm slacking so bad, but all my but all my clients are on point. So it's just like, oh, it's so frustrating. But uh, ho- hopefully people can find me, though, yeah. Sounds, sounds like you've got an internal Apollo project for uh, some of your younger uh, team members, maybe. Well, it's it's funny because I just revisited the podcast with Katie, and we are sitting on probably 20 blog posts um, to publish because, again, it's consistency. So we've been writing SEO blog posts and topic clusters, and you know, I'm scheduling them to publish on the same day, every week, every month. So we're basically two months ahead on our repository on blog posts. So then by the time we're done with those two months of blog posts being published, we have two months more. So yeah, it was a bit, so last month I sat down with my team and I'm like, guys, like we're doing all this for our clients. We need to do it for ourselves. So everybody kind of took a topic cluster and they owned it. And I basically just do the proofing, and we're going to start launching uh, in March. Everything's going to be going live. Yeah, awesome. And your your uh, podcast again? That's Garage Weights and Business Tapes, yes, right? Yes, man. Yes, we have such a good time. Yep. <laughs> garage weights and business takes me and Katie work out with each other. We completely drain our uh, our energy, and we sit down usually on the floor or on a bench, exhausted, and talk about how our businesses has been going and what we could do to improve it and what's working and what's not. So yeah, it's good. Uh, well, next time I swing down that way, I'll probably have to uh, stop by and make a guest appearance yes. on, on your podcast. You know, you can't be on our podcast unless you work out with us. <laughs> oh, I can work out. I can, I can. I can do that. Done. Done. All right, <laughs> guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I really am grateful. It's been awesome. Same. Right back. It's been you. awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you. You got it, man. Thank you. Thanks.